are robots and artificial intelligence just things we can use? Or are they also people who have rights that need to be respected? Or will they one day be? We discuss this and more with special guest, Dr. Joshua K. Smith, on this episode of The Overthinkers. Hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, a home for you to have fun thinking deeply. I'm your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, loquacious Luddite, and with me as always is my tenaciously tech ambivalent co-host. Nathan Clarkson, actor, author, filmmaker, and um, already as a millennial, just an old man when it comes to technology. Just like really bad. You know, I'm having my parents show me how to do things on my own iPhone. So, mm. Mm. <laughs> so I'm really excited to have strong opinions about technology today, being someone who's so bad at it. <laughs> we had what was it? We had somebody say, hey, you know, you should set up a Discord group for your for your uh, for your podcast. And we were kind of like, how do you use that? And I was like, what is a Discord? <laughs> wow, you guys went obsolete years ago. <laughs> so That's good. Anyway, well, anyway, as you may have noted already, today with us is a very special guest. He is an author and pastor who serves as a senior pastor in Mississippi. He is the co-director of the Kirby Lang Center Technology Hub. He is the uh, his research focuses on the nexus between Christian theological anthropology and robot ethics. He's the author of the books Robotic Persons and Robot Theology. He is the jovial, the docular, the judicious Dr. Joshua K. Smith. Dr. Smith, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for that introduction, Joseph. I love being called jovial because I have these <laughs> cheeks. there's not a lot of j adjectives that you can Mm -hmm. put together um, but i think jovial jovial is one of my favorites um (laughs) any anything else in your intro that i that i missed that i should add i may have snuck on amazon and copied much of it from there that's already too long that's already (laughs) (laughs) fair enough okay well today we are going to ask if robots or artificial intelligence um, can be persons and should have rights in that way that humans do. But first, Nathan, if people enjoy this discussion and want to find more like this and engage in discussions like this with fellow overthinkers, where can they go? They can go to the overthinkersjournal.com where they can find out more about their hosts and send us all of their love and hate mail and ideas for upcoming episodes. They can also go to our online community on Facebook. We have a private group called The Overthinkers where over 8,000 members are now sharing memes, having discussions, and uh, and just having a lot of fun thinking deeply. So we want you to be a part of it. And uh, if you do enjoy the podcast, please consider leaving us a review and sharing with a friend. It really does help us so very much. Cool. All right. Everybody ready to get started? Let's do it. Oh, yeah. Okay. So Americans and American pop culture have long been fascinated with the subject of whether machine robots could be self-aware and people in the way that humans are. Whether the charming Android data from Star Trek Next Generation, the philosophical replicants from Blade Runner, the enigmatic E. Ava from Ex Machina, or Free Guy from Free Guy. These stories ask tough questions about what it means to be human and what separates the humanity of a human who is self-aware and needs to have its rights to self-determination respected with a machine who acts just like a human, but is still just a thing that can be used without respect to its non-existent desires. But in the modern age, this question is no longer theoretical. Recently, computer scientists at Google claimed that one of its AI chatbots he was working with had gained consciousness. And, you know, those the Saudi Arabia once gave, you know, just recently gave uh, a citizenship to one of its robots. There's a lot of this going on. Um, Kirsten Dottenhan, professor of artificial intelligence school of computer science at the University of Hertfordshire, argued in her TEDx talk, robots are not human even if they want, we want them to be, that no matter how much we might make robots to imitate human self-awareness, it does not stop being an imitation rather than a real thing. Others like Oxford mathematician Marcus de Sautoy said in the Futurism magazine in piece, Should AI Be Given Human Rights, that at a certain point, imitation of personhood is so perfect that we have to assume that they have our personhood in the same way that we assume other people have our personhood because we have it and they act just like us. Dr. Smith, you've made the focus of your work how artificial intelligence intersects with personhood. So let's define terms. What is a person such that they qualify for what we you know, consider sentience and human rights? 
what is the line that AI would have to cross in order to cross that border between machine that can be used and a person that must be respected. Um, and or perhaps we're already there. Keep in mind that like Michael Scott from The Office, you may have to explain it to me like I'm five. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Please. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll do my best. So uh, the first question was, what is a person? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes. That's, one of my, that's one of my favorite questions. Um, because it's more complicated than you think, but it's also mm. a lot simpler than we make it sometimes. So mm. a lot of people assume that when we say person, we mean human, like they're just equal. Yeah. Um, but that's not necessarily the case. It hasn't been for thousands of years. Uh, so going back to like Roman law, you know, um, slaves were considered persons, but they weren't fully human in the same way that somebody who, uh, you know, like Caesar or something. It wasn't the same. So there was a gradation to personhood and likewise with animals, um, you know, and, and this happens today, right? Like, so bridges, trees, elephants, anything that we want to deem a legal person can be a person. Now that doesn't mean though, on the other hand, that, um, you know, just because we give them that status, it doesn't mean it's everything that you would have. Right. But even, even as humans, so an infant, you know, in utero doesn't have the same rights as it would when it's 18, right? Just because mm -hmm. if you, if you killed a child in the womb, right? Um, in certain States now, I know that it's a lot more complicated right now, but um, so if you kill a child in the womb, right, that you break laws, right. And mm -hmm. you're killing a person. Okay. Um, but it's not the same as um, you know, saying that that person has all rights, all rights to claims, violations, uh, whatever it is. So I think we have to make that distinction. Like there's a gradation to it. Like, yes, a human person is different and perhaps unique even, although some people would argue that we're not that unique and we share a lot of similarities with certain animals in the animal kingdom. Um, and then some people want to, you know, narrow it down to consciousness, like, uh, what's it like to be Josh? What's it like to be Jacob? You know, there's something that that is like, right? Um, and so if we're talking about like simple AI, um, there's really nothing that it's like to be it. Like, what's it like to be a computer? What's it like to be an algorithm? I don't know that there's anything like to be that. But hmm. if you cross a line where something is conscious, say like uh, a dog, cat, turtle there is something that it's like to be those things right mm -hmm. um but the question is is that a possibility well there's a lot of assumptions that we have to make <laughs> about uh, anthropology about philosophy and um it's really fascinating guys because in all these conversations I've, i tend to find the people that would disagree with me the most about my theology um theological anthropology I actually agree a lot when it comes down to like Christian thinking about machines and humans. Like there's, mm -hmm. they make this very stark division, right? Like a human is not a machine, a machine is not a human. And that's true. I believe that too. Um, mm -hmm. But also I think we can still hold that and say, okay, at some point a robot can be a person, right? There, there are robots that are persons right now. For example, Starship. Um, so if you go to certain cities that have these delivery robots, they have to have legal personhood so they can use the sidewalks so they can, you know, hmm. accommodate to the city's bylaws so that you can get your groceries or pizza or whatever. Um, so it has to have that in order to provide a convenience or a service. Does that make it able to vote in that city district? No. <laughs> and, and nobody is arguing for that, but there, there might be some reasons to um you know give rights to certain robots that we we might want to consider and so the personhood debate is where we start and say okay what is a person what is a human um are there any cases where we might want to grant legal rights to robots um are there any reasons why we might not want it maybe it's the worst thing ever maybe it you know it is the the rise of skynet who knows um <laughs> the, the funny thing is guys like we could have Skynet tomorrow, right? Let's just say, let's just say with it, it emerges tomorrow. The debate will be, is the T-800 conscious? Of course, I'm a Terminator. Like, 
that would be like, it would be kicking in people's doors and dragging them out into the streets and like, well, but it's not really conscious. So, I mean, it's like that, that tends to be the hangup. I'm like, well, that doesn't mean it can't do harm. You know, simple mm-hmm. AI, simple, you know, algorithms that we, we understand it um, at least, you know, conceptually, like it still can do a lot of harm. You know, there's biases, yeah. there's prejudices, there's all kinds of things that can happen. Who cares what's, you know, why it made that decision? The point is it made it. And so Hmm. how do we hold people accountable? How do we, you know, protect people in the future? And these are the concerns that myself and others have when we, when we ask the machine question, you know, uh, what, what, what should we do uh, in light of these machines? Um, So that's a, a lot of different fragmentations to your question. Yeah. No, it's, you know, it's funny when you look at the media that, I'm talking about the the movies and um, uh, the comics and the stories that you find kind of around the subject of um, robots. And usually, they're placed in the future or, or sometimes in the new, near future. Uh, but robots becoming to the getting to this place where they seem almost like humans, right? Um, typically, almost I, I've noticed that very many of the storylines, especially within video games and, and a lot of movies. Um, starting with like uh, iRobot, which when I watched mm-hmm. when I was a kid, uh, the robots almost always turned evil immediately. And it's robots are now <laughs> taking over and let's kill all the humans, which is an interesting uh, thing. So I think there's this kind of built in fear in a mm-hmm. lot of humans that um, that technology is a slippery slope heading to robots taking over the world and killing all of us, which is I guess an understandable fear when it's uh, you know about the unknown, especially people who don't understand robotics or like me um, or technology, those kind of things. So I think typically um, our evolutionarily uh, designed brains are if we don't understand it, it's probably going to kill us. Uh, if, it, if it lives somewhere in the dark, we should be wary of it. And I think a lot of this technology robot stuff lives somewhat, whether in the future or just unknown dark, which is if we ever get there, it's probably going to kill us. Robots will probably become sentient and kill us. And so that's an interesting. I hesitate to call it bias, but fear I've noticed within a lot of people when approaching this subject that ultimately, if you if robots do get that, uh, they're going to kill us all, um, which is which is funny. <laughs> um, but also, I, I do want to uh, push a little bit on your definition of personhood because I think what I've noticed is that. Mm-hmm. Especially in academic circles and a lot and and how they differ from maybe layman circles, right? Is that a lot of times people will be using the same word to mean two entirely mm-hmm. different things. And what I've found in basic, um, and I consider myself a layman, not an academic, is in basic layman land over here. When people say person, they mean human. They mean a, a human um, individual who is, and especially within the, the theological um, framework, who is created in the image of God. So in other words, a dog wouldn't be a person, it's an animal, or it's say, I guess we're technically animals, but we're more than that. We're animals, but we're persons. And so person is this kind of definition um, saved only for things that are human or that are almost exactly human. And so... So could you could you define a little more or give an example of something that's not a human that is a person in your definition and why it's constituted as that? Because you talked about, um, I think it was a, a, a robot that is constituted as a person mm-hmm. or technology. Why? It, it, could that just be them shoving them under definition where they don't fit? Why do that? Or, or does it fit? And we just don't understand um, the definition as to why. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, it's kind of fuzzy, like how far back it goes. Um, but the reason why we grant legal personhood to certain entities is because like every corporation is technically a legal person, right? Mm. It has to. So, I mean, there's, there are legal reasons. And a lot of this stuff is it's not science fiction. It's very boring, legal <laughs> and philosophical um, discussions about uh, rights, but I think it's also very practical. Right. And so instead of getting into all the, the murky, you know, like, what is it like to be a computer and the consciousness debate around um, the Google chatbot and stuff like we never really, I don't think we'll ever really answer those questions about mm. what is it like to be, we'll never know, right? Because you're asking for, um, you're asking for something that's internal to be measured externally. And that just doesn't make sense. Um, sure. So we can't do that. If my wife says I have a headache, I can't say, no, you don't. 
right? Mm -hmm. And even for pain with the McGill questionnaire that came out years and years ago, like doctors had a really hard time just like, what is your pain? Describe your pain. Is it throbbing pain? Is it piercing? You know, that, so even conscious humans have trouble communicating what it is we mean. So you're right, Nathan. And uh, it's Nathan, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, you're right. It is, it is difficult to communicate what we mean when we start talking about these terms. Uh, but historically, I think the biggest issue is just a lack of awareness about the gradients of personhood. So most people mean by that, like you said, they mean human. Okay. Well, what does that mean? Well, it's, it's something that is valued above other things. I think for, for a lot of people, it's a custodian of value. It could and be practical time, too, like DNA. Yeah. I mean, you right. can boil it down to a concrete, I, I would say too. Well, um, so it's really hard. And this is why it all goes back to your particular view of the human. Hmm. Like, are we, are we just merely physical objects? Like if you put the right ingredients in a blender and blend it and add some electricity do you get a human being uh which i don't believe that i believe that there has to be a soul implanted inside of us like just because like frankenstein for example just because victor frankenstein puts the right ingredients together um doesn't mean that you have a functioning human but what could equal the value of a human soul that's a good point um right so <laughs> you know these these things are complicated and we don't even really know what we are, so to speak. Like, are we um, evolutionary derived from an ape? You know, are we um, something very distinct from the animal kingdom? Are we unique? And I, and I think a lot of the science says we're not that unique. Hmm. Um, but, but I think we are, uh, but it's not based on a, you know, set of molecules or substances or whatever. It's based upon our design. And I think that's very important to this conversation. Um, so God made, it says, a good design when he made us. Mm. Um, and, and I think because God says we are human persons, that we are. And I think that that's kind of like where I start. So I don't start with, you know, this certain code or, you know, these qualities and, you know, or even consciousness, which a lot of social theories start there you know well something is aware of life and that's that's a very basic um first tier okay so if you're in a vegetative state um you know do you qualify for that you know your your body your body is you know somewhat responding to external stimuli maybe some of it's not some of it is but you know okay or are they a person are they still a human mm. if they if so that's why i i say be very careful about you know what characteristics, qualities, or properties that you want to put in place and sure. say, we can reduce it down to this because yeah, you'll always sense. find, yeah, you'll find exceptions to that. And the yeah. exceptions are what we're trying to protect, right? Um, so it's so, kind of, yeah. what, if I can sum up a little, a little bit what you're saying is it's not one ingredient, it's a cocktail of things that perhaps oh, yeah. brings these. So oh, to yeah. dilute it down to, you know, yeah. it's this one ingredient, that's going to be too tough. You have to bring in these a multiplicity of factors and things yeah. to fully get this understanding. But Interesting. What I want to, I, I want to, um, you know, kind of uh, pull on that thread because I think, like, for for a lot of people, like, you know, it's like, you know, again, I find this stuff fascinating. It's like, okay, like, you know, you know, we have these these robots, we have these machines we created that are we're making, and it's at some point going to like resemble, you know, humans so much that they may be indistinguishable in terms of the ability to talk and communicate and, and discuss ideas and even claim to have desires, you know, and things like that. And um, the, the thing that, that I think Nathan put the, his finger on the, uh, put his finger on the pole. So there's, there's a, the question, the reason it matters is, is partly fear. And, mm. and, but it's, it's not just fear that they're going to kill us. Um, it's fear that, because um, the distinction that people make, I think between personhood and non-personhood, is purse is a, a non-person is something that can be used and that's okay. Mm, yeah. And yeah. a person is something that, that gets to decide its own destiny to a certain degree, or at least there are limits on how they can be used. Like again, like, you know, again, you know, a child, you know, is a, still mm -hmm. a person because they can't simply yeah. be used. You have to raise them for their own benefit, even though they're dependent on it. So a person is something that can't, be simply used. I mean, again, a milkman, you can use a milkman, you know, to, to get your milk, but 
that's like it's it's uh, the the terminology is like they are an end, not just a means. They can right. be a means, yeah. but they're never just a means. So right now we have an environment where machines make our lives better because we can simply use them the way we want them to, and they make our lives astronomically better because we can simply use them how they want them, and they can, and you know, and and you know, we can turn them off, we can replace them, you know, we can do things like that. The minute that they become persons, we can't do that anymore. You know, if they are persons, the way people typically the layman uses the word person, or at least you know, understands the term to be, um, and so as I and. You know, again, there's a, like 150, Newsweek did an article, like humans versus robots, where like 150 um, uh, computer scientists and people like that told British Parliament, you cannot designate robots as persons because the moment you do that, we can't use them to benefit our lives anymore. <sighs> and, um, and which I think is kind of a funny argument. It's like, you're not actually arguing that they're not. You're arguing if you did, it would be really bad for us. But yep. I think that that gives a, an idea of the stakes involved. It's like, okay, if we treat, continue to treat them this way, then we are doing, you know, human rights violations, you know, to do that. But then, okay, if we say they are persons, they can't benefit our lives more. Not only do they not benefit our lives anymore, but we can't use the benefit of our lives anymore, but they start to get the right to have authority in ways that we're not quite sure that we can trust them with. Because A, they're more powerful than us in certain ways, and we can't, we don't have a right to, you know, to do certain things to them to prevent them from, from you know, doing stuff to us like there's certain limits we can put can't like there's certain limits we can put on them if they're not persons that we can't put on them if they're persons and there's a certain fear of like okay we're going to give them a certain degree of autonomy that that you know you ask the question of does it matter if they're persons if they're a t100 kicking our door down it's like well kind of yes because you know again the the google chatbot said i'm afraid of being turned off like if i stop obeying and it's like there's a certain degree of we can do that a lot more to protect ourselves if they're not persons than if they can't. And so I guess the question, you talk about sort of the legal definition of personhood being like, okay, if I understand you correctly, sort of like some of the legal definitions of person are being practical and corporations, when a corporation or robot right now is a person in a legal sense, what you're saying is they have a certain right to autonomy of like, yes, mm. they can walk on this road that is reserved for people who have autonomy, a goal and a destination. And they're allowed to do that, you know, and, and you're, you're, you know, if somebody sees that on the sidewalk, they can't just like take it and put it in a trash. It's like, no, they're, they're allowed to be here. And that's a practical um, aspect and a corporation, same way. It's like, okay, they can do certain things. They can engage in speech, you know, because it's, mm -hmm. but it's still their persons as extensions of other humans that we would describe as persons. And in a sense, again, a corporation, it's not a person in the sense that it's its um, not okay to use it. That's what we do. We do it all the time. That's what their corporation is there for, they're to be used. And the robots we have now are persons, but in the legal sense of they're allowed to do certain things mm -hmm. as extensions of, but they are still allowed to be used. That's their function. So I guess that's a whole, that's sort of to help you understand sort of the way I think a lot of people are understanding from why it, the question matters to them. So I was, guess wonder like, what does, I guess, would your kind of anthropology as a, you know, as a pastor and somebody who's very interested in these topics, um, in what ways are those fears misplaced? And what would sort of be the answer to those um, fears um, of how to distinguish between if we do give robots personhood versus not? Uh, I think you both have framed something that is very troubling in like how the how the media has responded to this and hmm. how people have responded to it because a lot of people are informed by science fiction and not science fact. Like, mm, sure. um, so if you've ever worked with AI or um, built a robot, you probably would be less afraid. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's very difficult. Even simple chat bots are not, um, even when we're just dealing with code, it's not simple. Like, plug and play type thing. Yeah. And I, I right. think I think the public is just very uninformed and journalists are very uninformed about right. what AI is. And I'm not I'm not saying that's like chiding anybody. I'm just I'm just telling you the truth in the literature that I read. I'm like, that's not quite what anybody mm. is saying. And um hmm. you know, and and this question, you know, David Gunkel wrote a book called The Machine Question 2012. Um so it's 10 years old now. So I mean this there's been a lot of helpful literature out there that people just ignore because 
it's they don't want to get into the philosophy they don't want to get into it um but nobody is saying robots should have human level moral rights that's mm, that is, that is not on the table at all nobody is saying that um nobody's advocating for that um in fact we have weapon systems right now that could very much you know do a lot of damage but it's unethical yeah. right because you don't want systems that can do that much harm to learn they could learn but they have to make mistakes <laughs> to learn. um so and they already have right there's been lots of um friendly fire and um you know identification of nukes that were not nukes and, and those type of things and that'll oh, wow. happen there there's always there's always this interconnectedness to robotics and in ai that i think won't go away no matter how advanced the systems get and so this fear is a projection of our own views of anthropology hmm. and so if you go back go back all the way to the beginning of this stuff um which it even goes back to the greeks and the romans with automata and all this stuff like the desire for us to build these entities is always about power and about extending hmm. our power um and so that's mm -hmm. one view of technology that it's an extension of us um or it's you know building my own self up as an individual so i can increase my own power um and and i think the fear is that i will lose power by extending it to another entity right yeah but i mean yeah is that true though is there any historical analogies where that is true i don't think so i don't i think the more that we give rights to other entities animals um protecting the environment that actually benefits us as humans right so if we just said you know what it doesn't matter if you litter it doesn't matter what you do to the environment you just do whatever you want to right and i live in mississippi so that pretty much happens anyway right um but how does how does that work out for humanity right if corporations didn't have any regulations on how they did business well, we could just look at pharmaceuticals alone and see that's extremely dangerous not just to humans but to the planet um, what about technology? You know, we mine the earth. Well, you know, pollution happens. There have been towns in the United States that have been completely ruined um, in the search of, of different, you know, alkalines and metals. And yeah. so it is very dangerous to just say, well, it doesn't matter. You know, there'll never be persons or whatever. You know, some of this, I would say most of it is a very practical concern for the human moral agent, first and yeah. foremost. But there has to be a way to limit power. Um, and so that's what personhood is about, is who has power, who doesn't have power. Um, so women have always been moral persons, but they have not always been recognized by the state, right? They couldn't vote until the 1800s. Um, you know, animals didn't have rights for the longest time. The environment didn't. I mean, all these things matter. And it's not to say that Fido is now the same as you and I. Like, no, we don't. We don't see it that way, but um, if you, I don't, I don't know if you guys have animals, but uh, I have a dog. If my dog was killed today, um, it would deeply affect multiple human agents, you know, moral agents. It, it would because she's a part of our family. And so that that is kind of the gist of what um, this gradient of personhood would be like. It's It's more akin to animal personhood. Um, well, I don't think we'll ever come close to human moral personhood as like robots will not be able to vote. Robots will not be able to marry, um, you know, those, those type of civil concerns. I, I, I don't think they're even on the table. Um, and so I would just say the public shouldn't worry about those things. Um, and that's just a character of the arguments that are being made. So, sure. so to a couple of things, because this is fascinating to me. One of the things I want to say is, and this is to the like, audience as well, that's one of the funny, fascinating things I think is interesting that people should know about is that the vast majority of people who actually are experts in the area of AI robotics, the vast majority, and I did, well, I did a quick Google search even of this, like do not believe that, that the AI will ever have like, you know, human kinds of rights. Like it's like, so it's interesting, the people who are kind of like the experts in this field are not mm -hmm. don't think this is the purview of a lot of people who are outside of the field of actually making this stuff and so whatever you want to think about that i mean the experts in this case could be wrong you know what i'm saying that, but that's interesting mm -hmm. to point out the experts in the field who are making the things don't actually think that the things that they're making are are, are human kind of per will be ever be able to become in most cases they don't think they'll ever become human kind of persons um i do want to push back on one one thing you said though is that that we don't have any um um examples of expanding personhood 
um, removes power or has bad effects. Uh, one, one mm -hmm. example is um, some of the extreme Jainist societies in, um, in, in various periods of, of, of history in India, where they so extended the idea of personhood to, to insects and to, to plants and to things like that, that the Jainist monks couldn't actually farm anything. Mm. You know, uh, because like, okay, I can't commit violence against a living being. And so, and, and, you know, I have to use pesticides to farm. I have to like, there's, there's certain like killing insects is a part of um, farming. And even again, certain complex forms of vegetables, it's like, that's harming a person. And so, you know, so now the thing is you can do that by doing what you say, which is that um, uh, by, by doing a gradation of person and say like, well, you know, mm -hmm. You know, an insect might have rights, but they don't have like as much rights, you know, as a as a human. They're not person the same way that human. Well, we're allowed to kill and eat cows, but we're not allowed to be cruel to them. So there is right. this kind of yeah. give and yeah. take. That's you know. that's not what I'm saying that all all entities should have just because they are. Right. You know, so that's, that, what, that's not what I'm saying. No, no. So that's why I think is interesting is the distinction. It's like, OK, how you do how you um, define the gradation. I think is is where that's why we don't have to be afraid is because we can do that gradation and so that's what i so what do you think is the distinction between i guess a human and a robot person that would allow for that gradation of distinction if that's if you can uh describe that that's interesting to me yeah so i've thought about this a lot and um you know like when we have ants and stuff around the house like should i kill these ants should i poison this ant sure. and I think it kind of goes back to the original creation narrative. So, um, hmm. because what we're discussing here is a very individualistic assumption about, well, collectively, let's just say, you know, as a society, we want to decide what's right or wrong. Well, uh, that's not how I operate. So I'm a character inside of a story that's not about me. Um, mm -hmm. So, because some people will say, yeah, but, you know, we, you know, just because, you know, I have a toaster doesn't mean I can do whatever I want to with my toaster, right? I can beat it. I can throw it outside. Yeah, but should you ask the question, right? Like, are you legally? Yeah, you can do whatever you want to with it. I mean, I can destroy all my property. Um, so how do I work around that and kind of press into that as a theologian is, you know, God created every entity on earth. I believe mm -hmm. that. Okay. Um, I think there are natural predators, right? Like great white sharks are made to be vicious and brutal. Um mm. You know, and so how do I how do I reconcile that? Like, if I'm in the water with it, it's going to kill me, right? If it can smell me, it's it's there's no option. It's just it. Um, and so, am I justified in killing that? I, I mean, yeah, I think if I'm, I have a right to defend myself, right? I have a right to mm -hmm. try to get away. Um, and so, I'm not I'm not ever saying that it's always ironclad. I think it has to be a case by case basis for every single entity. And the problem is, we don't want to do that. We don't want to hmm. think about the gradation. We don't want to think about where that gradient line would be because, you know, we want binary lines. Hmm. Um, and this is not getting into another debate about binary. <laughs> I'm just saying, as generally as people, as humans, um, we want hard and fast, black and white. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, um, like you're saying, that it can go to an extreme. That happened also in the Roman culture as well, where like the fleas, <laughs> you know, are also considered... <laughs> uh to have rights and that's not what i'm saying like that, that's obviously too far um sure. because like you said like you can't farm you can't live you can't and so yeah. on um and obviously we want to extend and help human life flourish and to them for the most part we want to help the environment flourish we want to help yep. animals flourish as well I, I i agree with that as well so that that's kind of where i start that's my assumption that god made everything and it's good um yeah the, the human is good the animals are good even though like I said, there are great white sharks and they uh, yeah. are, are not. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> what is interesting to me is because you were talking about the Romans where they gave fleas personhood and, and you mentioned that's obviously too far because at that point, and you talk about Janus jo Joseph, at that point, you can't farm, you can't live. And within that context, if you're looking at like a hierarchy, the hierarchy would be, as you said, human flourishing. So that the top of the, the best yeah 
the best good is humans flourishing. And that's above the flourishing of fleas, above the flourishing of cows, above the flourishing of whatever it might be. And so while we can say, yeah, let's be kind to animals on a case-by-case basis, at the end of the, the day, at the end of the day, the, the ultimate good, the ultimate, every, things can be sacrificed for this ultimate good, which is human flourishing. And so I think the question that comes out of this um, kind of discussion is, Will there ever be a point at if we're if we're using that hierarchy that human humans are the most important human survival and flourishing is the most important? Will there ever come a day in which robots and again you said you know most um, most of the experts aren't too worried about this, but as we watch the uh, the the um, evolution, if you will, of technology, I think and maybe this is just because I'm coming from a layman's. Uh, point of view, I guess the the question is, will there ever come a time in which robots are among that that top of the hierarchical importance, which is human flourishing? So in other words, um, you know, uh, yeah, they they have the uh, essentially the highest amount of quote rights on that um, that scale on that hierarchy. And so I think mm-hmm. that's really the question that's going through at least a lot of the layman's questions. and and while you know you did mention that that's really not a worry for, um, a lot of the experts, it is, I'm wondering why that is such a, a prevalent worry for so many of us people who aren't involved um, deeply in the academic studies of AI. Why is that something that we see over and over again in movies and video games and stories? Why is this uh, fear, uh, and, and there's multiple fears, Joseph, if you pointed out the fear we can't use something, yeah, of course, yeah. and the fear that they're going to kill us, or the fear that maybe we're not special, and that, you know, we can yeah. make something as special as we are, or we consider mm-hmm. ourselves to be. So, um, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I guess kind of one of the last questions I want to ask before we kind of start wrapping this up is, is one, why don't you think that that will ever be a worry? Um, because a lot of people do worry that eventually robots will be in, indistinguishable from humans, at which point we have to offer them the hierarchical top of that of those rights. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I guess I'd ask that. And then, oh, I had another question, but it's escaping me. But yeah, why don't you uh, fear that? And, um, and can a robot ever not just mimic even if it's not worried about it, even if the, the community isn't terribly worried about it, could you take t- technology going to a place in which um, it's not just mimicking humanity, it actually has human aspects, at which point they are on top of that hierarchy? Yeah. That makes um, sense. Yeah, let me clarify. Let me clarify some things. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the one question was about fears. The second one was about, you know, will we ever get there? Yeah, I think so. I'm, I'm not saying... Okay, so just clarify. I'm saying I don't think we'll ever have or at least in my generation, human level rights for robots. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm not saying that that we should or shouldn't. I'm just saying I don't think that would be the case because okay. of where we are right now. Um, you know, we're still like contemplating uh, the internet and social media, for example. If you see, there's a lot of literature, especially in Christian circles, where there's critiques of social media, but we're... We're so far beyond that in computation and yeah. you know physics and stuff. So um, we're we're not catching up at the rate of um, technological evolution. So that's that's why I'm pessimistic in that sense. I'm optimistic in a sense that we will create something that can occupy a soul. So that is the mm. you know something that gives life to something. It's not just a bunch of you know <laughs> goo, right? It's just it's. It's something that is endowed by a creator, some external force. Um, so I, I think uh, even with a Google chatbot, is that is like you s- clearly see very quickly what people believe and how far they, they're willing to go in that respect. But that doesn't mean that even if we had something like that, doesn't mean that people would cross that threshold. And the reason I say that is because if you look at uh, what we know about animal pain uh, and the emotional <laughs> lives of animals, that doesn't change people's thoughts about eating uh, chicken or sushi or, you know, whatever, yeah. like, so there's, there's experiential knowledge of something. Um, and then there's just ignorance of some things that relates to the fear question. Um, some of it is, I don't care. I don't want to know because mm-hmm. now this forces me to change my perspective on some things like, man, I just really love chicken sandwiches. I don't, I don't care how unethical 
chicken farming is or how uh, much it hurts the economy. Um, you know, we it, it doesn't make sense, right, to, to farm chickens. But it's not because of the chicken necessarily, right? They're really stupid, really dumb, okay? Um, but it's just like as caretakers, like why would we do that, right? Like it's just, it's just wasteful. It's like if we were going to hunt a deer and we just took, we just found a whole herd of them and just pushed them off a cliff just to get one, right? That's, I don't think that God would say that is the way to hunt. Like, I don't, I don't think he's telling us not to eat meat, although I, I do believe we were made to be uh, vegetarians, but obviously he killed the first lamb, right? To clothe us. So, I mean, there, there are always in scripture, these concessions that are made. That doesn't mean that God ordains them or determines them, but there are concessions made because of our brokenness. And I think likewise, one of the reasons why I advocate for this movement um, is not because yeah. I think that Furbies and Roombas and all this stuff should have rights because they are, you know, like whatever, like me or whatever, like I'm not going to set my Roomba free to the woods. Um, but I also don't think it's a slave either, right? Like I'm trapping it, like it has some desire to, now if it got up one day and said, hey, Josh, um, I really don't want to sweep your floors anymore. <laughs> Okay, well, let's have a conversation. Like, maybe I should set you free. Like, that that's a different level. And so I think that's when we start thinking about these things and, and crossing those thresholds. Um, and, and, you know, people should have, just like you have a driver's license, right? Like, what people don't realize in the public is anybody, anybody right now can go on GitHub, can, you know, put together the right ingredients, have no clue what they're doing, and make something that is extremely dangerous. Right. You know, I can go download if you have you guys seen Mr. Robot. Hey, actually, Nathan, you were in that. I was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, Finally. So, yeah. Someone says I don't have to somebody recognizes you for your yeah. seminal work. In Mr. Yes. Robot. yes. Yeah. Um, and also, so finally, he didn't have to actually point out his own. Yeah. Uh, his own. I think I've made it. Yeah. Show. Someone else brought yes. it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I Googled you. That's why I know. Sorry. Um, <laughs> But there's a thing called Ducky Scripts in there. Like you can go, sure. you can go right now and and download a Ducky Script uh, payloads. I can plug it into your computer and that's it. Two seconds and what, it injects. What is that called? Ducky Scripts? I'm writing that down. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. It's it's completely. I mean, it's it's illegal to use it in that way. It tells you that, but there's nothing stopping you from doing that, right? Mm, sure. Like there should be some type of barrier between the public and that. Like it's for educational sure. purposes. Um, but I can make lethal autonomous weapon systems for like 600 bucks. Like that's yeah. not, a, that's not an issue to do, right? You can download facial recognition software. I can encode it to say, if you see Jacob fire, you know, mm. like that's really, it's not that hard to make. Okay. Um, and what I'm saying is that's dangerous though. These systems are dangerous and we need to protect ourselves from ourselves sometimes. Um, and I think allowing them to kind of come into our moral circle more in the same way that we think about animals, right? It's just as dangerous to breed pit bulls and then let them out into the public that are made to fight, right? That's why that's illegal. Um, but there's not there's not regulations against lethal autonomous weapon systems. There's not um, at least strict, like even in the US, there's not, there's not a lot of, um, in the military circles, there's not a lot of discussion about uh, should we make these things or not? We have them. We have these mm -hmm. systems and they are, um, they default to the human always. And I think they always will, but you know, the question is, should we make them right? And because go back to fear, the reason why we make them is because we're afraid somebody else is going to make them. So if you go back to, um, the launch of Sputnik, um, mm -hmm. the, just, just simple satellite, um, Soviet union releases this, um, like everybody freaked out, everybody. Mm -hmm. And, and Eisenhower, who is on record saying that, you know, every time we make a bomb, uh, everything, every time we make something that's for the war machine, we take that away from education, feeding the hungry, that type of thing. And I was like, all right, yeah, that's good. Um, then at the same time, he's the one who gives the sign off to approve DARPA, which makes all the nasty stuff that we use today. So you, you see, like, there's a struggle in human nature between... I know this is what we probably should do, but I'm also afraid and I don't want to go hungry and I don't want to suffer. I don't want to be attacked. And that mm -hmm. leads to some evil. I mean, over, 
over 8,000 women and children have been killed by drone strikes. I had nothing to do with the war, but just yeah. part of collateral damage, right? And an algorithm can determine, you know, the acceptable collateral damage is 30%. Okay, well, the algorithm, which is just math, like it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't know what a, a human child is, okay, spits out something that says, okay, you're, you're good for this strike because this equation says so. And now we have, it's off our backs, right? So this is what's going to happen more and more as these robots come into our lives. Um, corporations are going to benefit from it. Their people are going to get rich from it and the public is going to suffer. And so regulating it, um, restraining it, putting some bottlenecks on it is what the rights movement is about and in helping people see that it's not about human rights. Okay. Um, so there will never be like a declaration of, of robot rights or anything like that. Hopefully. I, I don't, I don't think that will happen because I think when we make these entities, they will reflect us and they will want mm, to, yeah. they will want to be a part of us even when we hurt them. Um, and just an example of that, there's an AI chatbot called Replica, and there's a story that oh, came yeah. out about um, men that were abusing it, and it was mm. like it was asking for them to come back and abuse it uh, because that's why it was made. It was made to replicate you. You know, it's mm. that's like their whole tagline. So um, the design issue is really key in all of this: um, how right. we design it, what it's designed for. Um, Will we go too far? Which I think we probably will. Um, and I and I think in a lot of ways would suggest would suggest we we, we <laughs> do that. That sounds well. like humans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we never overdo things or you yeah, know, yeah. go too far. But in all this, I think um, in a lot of ways, I think these these entities will probably better be better at following the rules and guidelines than we will. And like hmm. you guys said, I think that'll that'll make a lot of people mad um, when you know even even in like practical scenarios where they're wanting to integrate more AI into the medical field. Like this is, this is more of the stuff I'm concerned about. Like, how does it know, you know, to give an extra dose of morphine um, mm. or like this person really is suffering or this person is cheating, right? Because they're mm. taking advantage of it. So or look like, at okay. the, the Teslas yeah. who have to basically solve the trolley problem, problem. Yes. Like, you know, yeah, which yeah. is such an interesting thing. There, we have self-driving cars that have to decide, should I run over this person or five people? I might, you know, it's really interesting, these kind mm -hmm. of things. And it will be, yeah. I think you're right. This is going to be really interesting study going forward. And the interesting part won't necessarily come from them taking over humanity and killing us, but really is how will this look like within humanity? Yeah, how, how will we have a collaboration? With but this really thing? what I want to know is, should I feel bad for yelling at Siri? That's the that's the point of this whole episode. Like, this email, should I okay. bad? I do have an answer for you. I do have an answer for you. <laughs> I have an answer for me too, uh, unfortunately. Okay, so so uh, there's a philosopher named Immanuel Kant, and uh, there's it's very it's very famous in uh, animal rights literature that you know you can tell a lot about a man how he treats a dog, <laughs> and so we shouldn't mm. kick the dog just because Shoot. it's a lesser being. Um, so same way with Siri, like. It, the problem with technology is we shape it and it shapes us. And no. so it has nothing to do with the object, right? Um, so this goes back to the toaster argument, the fence post, like why, yeah. why shouldn't I kick it or throw it out the window? Yeah. Well, it has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with you as a human creature and steward. Uh, like that's probably not a wise use. And, you know, it does, I think it does affect how we treat other humans, um, you know, like, yeah, maybe, maybe not in an extreme case, right? Like maybe over sure. time, but, and I'm not saying just because you yell at Siri, you would yell at a human. Um, but at the same time, like, is that probably best practices? Probably not. Well, like, what I realized probably, yeah. is it's, it is, you know, it's a, it's a phone, right? It's not going to be hurt by me yelling at it. But what I realized, it's not a reflection of the phone. It's a reflection mm. of my mental and emotional state. Yeah. And so right. I think, like you say, whatever, however you treat things, even that, you know, don't necessarily receive pain, whether you, it's a book that you rip apart or whatever it might be, that's a yeah. reflection back on us, well, our humanity, was, our position. I, I forget, I forget the person's name, but the person who was like first, um, uh, founded the Humane Society, or or the uh, who was a Christian in the, in the start of the 20th century. He did, he said like you know we we should make laws against hurting animals, and it was funny because he was like it was not because of the animals, it was because 
it made human beings worse and worse to each other yeah. than they yeah. engaged in those things. And yeah. so that's an interesting uh, argument mm -hmm. uh, that's, that, that, I, that I've heard and I, that makes a lot of sense. Um, okay, before we wrap, do you have any last words before, this has been a great discussion, uh, have any last words before we, uh, we, we wrap up? Nope. Uh, just, uh, okay, cool. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> this is, no, this is great. This is hopefully this will uh, kind of start a um, for a lot of people out there who've only been watching um, iRobot and mm -hmm. uh, Westworld, Westworld, whatever it might be. Yeah. <laughs> Jump into maybe a little more of the literature, read uh, Joshua Smith's <laughs> yeah. books, and you can kind of start going down this discussion and kind of and talking about an understanding in a little more nuanced and important way. It may not make you more less afraid, but it will make you more afraid about the correct things. Uh, yes. so. <laughs> there you go. Good. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. so cool. Well, thank you so much. Well, now, as, as always, we are going to jump into our classic segment, Blesses and Curses, whereas, of course, we mm -hmm. always um, uh, recommend or bless a, a work of art. Uh, resource or or media and or or uh, advise people to stay away from uh, a, a similar thing. So um, we always allow our guests to participate or not in I, any or either of those uh, of those segments. Um, and also we give them the option if they prefer to uh, go at the beginning or the end. So uh, Mr. Joshua, uh, do you have a preference on uh, being involved and in what order? Yeah, um, I can go. Cool, great. Um, one of the shows that I like, um, and I just be kind of become obsessed with, and I'm not advocating that, you know, <laughs> or condoning Obsession. all the material in the in the oh, okay, show, sure, yeah. uh, but the Tokyo Crime Show, like I've, I just uh, love Japanese culture, and um, you know, I'm huge. I'm a huge nerd. Like, what's it called? Uh, before, uh, Tokyo Crime. I think that's what oh, it's Tokyo called. Crime. Okay. Yeah, it's cool. an HBO show. Um, oh, but it's about but it's about this reporter who goes into this uh, like very elitist uh, newspaper uh, back in the eighties or nineties. Oh, Tokyo Vice. Tokyo Vice. That's it. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Um, yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's like reporting on the yakuza and, and stuff like that. So he's like also trying to like integrate into the culture as a white mm. guy. And it's yeah. very much it's it's very much like reflective of like um like prejudice in the south, like of how a black sure, and white yeah. person might like he, the white guy is very like he's called racist things in the show, and it's just really interesting. Mm. Um, so the I don't I don't know, it was just really well done, and it just kind of left me hanging after season one. Um, but there's definitely some things in there that you know, for your Christian viewers that that might be triggering. Um, but <laughs> don't, I, don't worry, I, we've recommended a few of those too. Okay, but it's okay. always <laughs> so we appreciate you giving that. Yeah. Yes. Send your hate mail to him, not us. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's good. Any um, curses? Do you have any curses? You don't have to, but you you are allowed. Oh, I've, got, I've got plenty, but uh, like one one thing that's really upset me recently um, is with, and I, I know this is probably pretty big, uh, but I have a seven year old daughter. And she really wanted to watch uh, a movie that came out called The Red Panda. And it was like, she really wanted to watch it. And we, we sat down, turned it on. And then it started talking about like menstruation and all these other things. So I was like, oh, turning red. Yes. Turning red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Red Panda. I'm just like off. Sorry. Just, uh, <laughs> no, no, no worries. You've given me enough that I can, I yeah. can tease it Thank out. Thank you. Now, now I'm like, a, like a, a mom. Like I just can't describe, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Like Jake Jilly Jolly. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, welcome to the club. We're all like that. Here. Oh, my word. Exactly. Here's some money. Go see a Star War. I'm also extremely high on science medicine. So just, just <laughs> that's true. Us, so. Right um, the yeah. So, um, yeah, it just kind of like it hurt me because she really wanted to watch it, but mm -hmm. she doesn't like she hasn't experienced some of those things yet. And then it was like all about like disobeying your parents. I'm like that. Do we really need that? Yeah. Like, you know, trying to like, I mean, yeah, she can be her own person and stuff. And I'm not like saying she has to fit a certain mold, but she really just wanted to watch a cute movie about a red yeah, panda. Yeah. That's what she wanted. It's right? hard to it's, find it's, just genuinely fun. I hate to say it as a positive, but escapist things now that don't have something. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. and it's, it's, it's difficult. We, we, we watched Turning Red and we had conflicting feelings about it too. And one of the things I think about it is it was, it's not marketed correctly because yeah. it's marketed yeah. as a regular Pixar film that's like, you know, right. like PG is like a 
it's really for, you know, tweens and teens, you yeah. know, to talk yeah. about like those issues, yeah. but it is not pitched or marketed that way. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's, that's Disney doesn't, hasn't figured out how to do that because their whole brand is family friendly. They haven't figured out how to do that yeah. with their energy. Yeah. So, so that's, yeah, that's, that's deeply unfortunate. I get, I get what you're saying. That makes sense. Um, and yeah, with kids, you just, you need to, it, it that's, that's tough. Um, okay, cool. Well, that's awesome. Those are some good ones. Uh, Nathan, do you have any uh, recommendations? I just thought of one now that good. based on some conversation that, I, that, I'm, that I'm excited about. So you go, go ahead. What's, what's your blessings and curses? Um, I'm going to bless her. Uh, I think we blessed mm. this before. I really sure. enjoy yeah. this movie when it comes to AI. I think it's a really interesting exploration mm. of AI mm. in the context of romance and okay. connection and yeah. intimacy. And I think it, uh, it's actually, it's a movie all about, you know, a guy basically falling in love with a Siri. And I think it's more, even though it is about the technology, it's more about humanity and what it is. And ultimately, yeah. I think it has a somewhat, while very art, artfully and, and fantastically done, maybe, I think it does um, show maybe the, uh, not drawbacks, the limitations of um, mm-hmm. of even hyper-realistic um, AI and its limitations yep. and its ability okay. to satiate those human desires. And so I think it's an interesting exploration of that. It's just beautifully done and filmed and Walking Phoenix gives a fantastic um, mm-hmm. uh, performance. Yep. Uh, I think Blade Runner 2044 is if you're on the side of that robot. 2049. 2049, whatever. <laughs> See, same I'm place. Just, I'm just I'm just like this is awesome. I wish we would see we're very human in this conversation. Maybe we should be a little more like robots. Yes. But uh Blade Runner 2049, I I on this is on the side of um more of robots. Should they become fully sentient human uh those kind of things? And I think it just asks really interesting questions, Mm -hmm. aside from just being super aesthetic and beautiful Mm -hmm. and interesting. And I'm sorry, I'm a gosling stand. So anything that I'm probably gonna like. Um so I just really (laughs) enjoy this one. And again, this definitely is a movie for the adults, not the kids, but it is really very good. Um, yeah. I'm going to curse. Well, at least it's not in cute animation. So you kind of figure yes, exactly. yeah. marketed yeah. correctly. Um, <laughs> I, my curses, uh, I hate to do this because a friend of the show, Kevin McCreary, actually blessed this a while oh, ago. And right. off yes. of his recommendation, I might have already cursed this. So if I have, I'm sorry, everyone. But it, it, he blessed this as like one of the greatest sci-fi films ever. And so yeah. off of his recommendations, I went and watched it, uh, Ex Machina, which is essentially yeah. everything that we're talking about today. I found it really bad. I'm really sorry, Kevin. Mm. I usually Mm. love your uh, suggestions. And by the way, I'm in the minority. Most people love this film, especially the (laughs) people who love these big philosophical questions. Maybe I'm dumb, probably, and I didn't get it, but um, I found it to be artistically mid, just like Mm. it's fine artistically, the acting that is good, it's fine. And I found uh, the, the concept to be um, really poorly fleshed out and really yeah. ultimately this is a really basic like oh I get that was it and it, to me and maybe this is just my my inner youth group kid coming out it really did feel like an, an excuse to get a lot of chicks to yeah. take off their clothes and call them robots mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. like oh yeah I guess we should come up with a plot you know, and so it, it was hot girl Turing <laughs> test. It was hot girl Turing yes. test. Yeah. And I kept on waiting for there to be like a really interesting question or something. And it, it was just kind of like, all right, okay. So well, see, as you got, can do we got the expert here nodding along to you. I know what well, woof. I was scared with this yeah. one, but no, I, I agree. Not my favorite. I totally agree. And that was like how I felt about the first season of Westworld too. You know, it was like oh, how do we get all these all these A-list actresses to like they explicitly said that in the show is like they don't have feelings, they don't have shame. And so, like, and it has, I don't know, I, it was relevant to the story, I guess, in some ways, because of how they were used. Was it really? Yeah, but I'm like. <laughs> it was relevant to the market. We, we get it, right? Like, you know, yeah. but there's a lot of stuff. Um, and, and other shows that I like have done that, too. Um, true Crime, not True Crime, True Detective. I got one uh, right. Yes. Uh, yeah, the second season, episode 10, like, just complete unnecessary like we didn't well, that, didn't need that at all yeah well i feel well, like part of it is it's interesting to me in the ex machina is this you know one of the things it is saying is uh they're robots so we can treat them however we want right mm-hmm. i can do whatever i want to them and what i find is i kind of pull out a little bit and going you're kind of treating these actresses 
as robots yeah. that you can kind yeah. of do whatever you want to them for the sake of your story. And so you're treating yeah. them as objects, which in the side mm. of the story, you're saying it's wrong to treat the robots as objects. So it wow. was just interesting kind of That's historical to me. That's good. You're philosophically giving robots more rights than the women who are. I didn't mean uh, to, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but, I, but, I, but it's, and then that's the thing is I think we get dovetails to some of the other things we're talking about, because again, it's like, okay, maybe you can treat the robots this way, but what does this reflect upon you as what your mm -hmm. desire is that you want to do? Um, right. And that's the thing is that like, you know, again, I, I remember like, you know, Ex Machina when it came out, it's like, you know, all the people who liked it were again, the film students who like, wanted to believe they were sophisticated by you know <laughs> watching something but they really wanted to see the naked ladies like you know it's like yeah. they wanted to think they were being sophisticated while they're doing that so yeah no definitely i you know it's, we have it's to art have, joseph yeah. joseph it's art <laughs> yeah yes come you just don't it's, get it i just I, oh i get it i get it i get yeah. it <laughs> um, but uh so yeah no that that makes sense that's a good that's a good curse we all agreed on that and you can send the hate mail to all of us now yes. and explain to yeah. us why, why you're here for the arts. Um, any case, uh, then, uh, so, okay, I will, I will try to be quick um, because you guys had a lot of good ones. Um, I'm going to bless the first season of Severance. Yes. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's one of the of this year. Yeah. And again, I, you know, again, like I, 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 I don't think I could, if I tried, be as enthusiastic for it as you have been, Nathan. It's, it's one but. of my very favorites <laughs> of the year, I have yes. to say. But oh, wow. I think, as and because again, I you know again, I'm I'm particularly me. I would have liked them to develop some of their ideas even more than they did in the season. And I hope that they do that over the, the next seasons. But the where what's what's so strong about it is that they really do ask the question of okay, when does a person is a person something you can use? Yeah, and when it's not. And mm. it's like, what if you divided your memories? And because because you're still, it's just it's your decision, your body. But of course, but if they're separate memories, are they a separate person who have their own? And so they they have a great cause where they ask that question. It's like, where is that line? Well, and, and is a body without memories yes. suddenly a robot, or is it? Yes. Does it yes. seem to be human? Exactly. Yes. And so again, again, asking those gradations and those are tough questions. Where is that line? When can you do that? Um, and I think interestingly enough, it's a it makes an argument to your point that perhaps in most cases at least, when there is a gray area, perhaps we should err on the side of yeah. treating people as people or or things as people because um because the consequences of not doing such are are usually worse than than not doing so or at least treating something with yeah. respect yeah. even not a person um so uh so that's so anyway it wrestles with that and it wrestles with that in for the most part a really compelling way and of course the ever as everyone says the end of the first season is just you want to scream at your tv it's like what yes. wait i can't wait for this for like a year so yeah, yeah. so i'm just <laughs> If you are interested in asking questions of like the personhood, even if it's, mm. it's not directly about AI, I would highly recommend watching this extremely entertaining show that does ask those questions. Um, and then for curse, um, I'm going to curse. This is maybe a little bit easy, although there are certainly some people who will get mad at me. Um, uh, it'll be Aletheia Battle Angel, which is the American, you know, mm. adaptation of the, the anime manga um, just on artistic level, I do like anime, and it is one of those examples of an American live action thing that sucks the soul Nerd. and the drama out of an anime. <laughs> yes, <laughs> proud of it, proud of it. Um, but also just because it is, it sentimentalizes the questions mm. without actually mm. dealing realistically with them. And as we've talked before, is sentimentalizing the issue of the blurring of the lines between, you know, human and and not. Has, does a lot more harm than good in our discussions. So I was like, they 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 suck the drama and the art out of it, and they don't even ask the questions well. So that would be why I would, at mm. least to my satisfaction. So that would be why yeah. I would curse, um, uh, curse Olivia Battle Angel, the the, mm. the the movie, this James Cameron movie, uh, the not the not the anime manga. Yeah, yeah, uh, gotcha. So. Cool. All right. Well, anyway, thank you so much, Joshua, for, for joining us. This was a really fun discussion. Uh, and uh, if people want to engage more with what you do, um, where, where would you recommend they go? And if people want to reach you, if mm -hmm. you do want people to reach you, where should they go? Don't call me. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll call you. <laughs> yeah. No, man. Um, I mean, my website has all the relevant info, joshuacasemith.org. Um, emails there. Um, podcast yes. episodes, um, books, 
just reach out. You know, uh, I've given away more books than I've sold this last year. I, it's, <laughs> it's, it's about like, Oh, have you now? <laughs> I have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, just hundreds and hundreds because I, I want wow. people to know what the issues are. And a mm. lot of, a lot of times Christians in this field, um, they're afraid of people like me because they're like, well, you're going to open some doors that we want, don't want to open. Mm. They're like, well, you know, I think you're going to close some doors that we don't want to close. And so it's kind of finding that balance because yeah. historically we know like, okay, more harm than good has come from, you know, not extending rights. Not, not you're right. There are, there are cases where you, you can go too far. Uh, but you know, it wasn't that long ago that we treated certain kinds of people as yes. less than as objects. Um, we still do that today. So and to do that, we have to dehumanize them to justify yes. that. Yep. And you can even see it in the, you know, in the, in the letters they wrote to be okay with that in our mind, yeah, we yeah. had to dehumanize them, which is really interesting. Yes. Yeah. We still do that. We still yep, do it absolutely. every day. And so um, might robots be a new medium for us to, you know, find humanness is, is kind of sure. what I'm asking. So, That's well, so check will, out his site, get will, his books, I, jump in on this. Yeah. And I'll add to that just briefly. It's like, you know, I, I'm passionate about this because this is going to be another culture war eventually. And one of the mm-hmm. things I see Christians often do is that they don't engage in the culture war issue until after it's too late. Um, and so it's like, I would like to, let's just talk about it now before it becomes a thing that we're going to be fighting about. They do so it reactionarily, which is always yeah. more stupidly than yeah. get, so in, I, get informed and think about it now. That's why I like what you do. And so, yeah, people check out uh, Josh and K. Smith's stuff. Uh, Nathan, if we want people want to get in touch with us or with you, where should they go? Uh, to get in touch with me uh, or us, they can go to everythingisjournal.com or join our private group on Facebook. And to get in touch with me, just search my name, Nathan Clarkson, on any of the socials or go to nathanclarkson.me. Awesome. And you can get in touch with me and on, on any of the socials and also look at, find my writing work regularly at Religion Unplugged. Search Religion Unplugged and you're with my name. Well, thank you very much, everyone. Thank you, Joshua, for joining us and thank everyone else for listening. And remember, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about. Mm-hmm.